0: As a renowned and prolific therapist, Nedra Glover-Tawab habitually sits with patients who are suffering today from decisions they made yesterday and last week and decades ago even. So when I asked her where she's most at risk for jeopardizing her own mental health, she shared it was in not caring for her future self. I think we can all relate to that. So I'm back with Nedra to talk about her values, motives, and habits. Nedra Glover tawab She's a New York Times best-selling author, licensed therapist, sought-after relational expert who celebrities and 1.6 million just on Instagram people turn to for relational guidance. Her new book, which we talked about in the previous episode, is called Drama Free: A Guide to Managing Unhealthy Family Relationships. In this episode, it's about her and we start off with spirituality. Nedra talks about her efforts just to find peace. Amidst her busy and taxing days. Nedra says she finds kindness very spiritually fulfilling. Relationships are her area of expertise. Uh, You can actually catch her on Red Table Talk talking with Jada Pinkett Smith and her family on how to set boundaries. In addition, of course, to having healthy boundaries, Nedra gives focus to each relationship and really considering what she wants the relationship to be like and being aware of her expectations regarding health and wellness. She tries to eat clean and exercise, but unashamedly loves candy. We had fun talking about that In her work and increasing success. She's looking at how to better scale her business. I think anyone in business can relate to that one with money. She questions what is enough. And she's keen on having more conversations around money. And last, with personal interests, she shares how she is a very aesthetic person. That was interesting. She finds great joy in deciding how she'll dress and present herself for a given day. She finds great joy in creating beautiful and calming environments, whether it's her office, her home, or her yard. If you find value from the self helpful podcast, be great to hear from you. Leave a review. Let us know what you think. It'll help others. See if this is a show for them. Best thing you can do. Talk about what you heard here with someone else. Keep the conversation going. You can always find me and connect with me at my website or social media at kevinmiller.co. Next up, I walk and talk with Nedra Glover Tawab about her personal values, motives, and habits. Nedra, it's always interesting to do this segment, uh, part two here on values and motives and habits with therapists, honestly, because I, yeah, it, it's just, uh, there's always different insight because you live within these topics with your patients every day at looking at the the highs and lows, the strengths, the weaknesses. And so I'm uh, usually inspired to hear What's on your personal plate? So we'll start off with spiritual and just look at that and say, what are, when you look at spiritual, what are the values that are the high points for you? And then how do you practice those? Mm.
1: I think the value that's the highest point is peace. And Mm. I practice that by reading multiple self-help books at one time. Um, I am a multi-book reader. I have been, you know, really trying to intensely meditate twice a day, prayer. I find kindness to be very, very spiritually fulfilling, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, making the right choice when you don't have to. Oh, it feels Mm -hmm. really good. I feel like, you know, maybe nobody's watching but me, but it was still good. (laughs) Um, I think so many things are spiritual. I think nature is hmm. spiritual, the way that things grow and evolve and die and wither, and hmm. show neglect and show care. And, you know, all of these things, I, I, I think it's so unique to, to all of us. And it's, you know, this really big thing, but it's also for me, just this centering of peace.
0: On the reading multiple books at One time, no. It's interesting for because it's wild. (laughs) Well, it it is. I'm interested how you came to that because I came from, you know, that concept of okay, I've got this book, this devotional, this journal. I'm going to read. I'm going to. I'm going to write. And it's just kind of the thing. And, and then realizing I've kind of imprisoned myself. And today I'm just kind of irritated at even having to do that. And so now I kind of have a menu of things to read and ponder. And I let myself kind of go with that. Is that where yours came from? Is it ADHD? Where's it come from?
1: Um, you know, it it's just that I feel different things in different moments. Like yeah. right now I'm in the middle of. You know, this parenting book, I think it's like Work, Parent, Thrive, and I'm reading the psychology of money along with this feminist manifesto, and I'm listening to a book. So, you know, I find that, you know, maybe in the shower or while driving, I can listen to a book. And then, you know, if I'm really trying to relax, do I want to read about money and parenting? No, I want to read a crappy novel. But if I'm trying to learn something, I may read the book about parenting or money. So I like the variety of being able to choose my own flavor. It's the Baskin Robbins of books, Mm -hmm. right? Like I don't have to choose one. I also read like maybe two daily devotionals. So it feels really good to me to to finish them when I can. I'm not in a hurry. I read a lot of books a year, but as I'm reading books, I'm also reading other books. I'm cheating on my books with my books. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it just, it really gives me some variety that I feel is needed. You know, it's, it's hard to focus, for me to focus on, you know, one topic when I've discussed multiple topics in a day and maybe I'm tired of that one topic and I need something else and I'm not going to pressure myself to quickly finish that book so I could get to the next book. It's like, "Mm, I'll read it. I'll get back to it.
0: Yeah. You mentioning peace, you led off with peace and in my own journey in recent years, finding that that's with so much excitement, even and good things and whatnot, that I was not really enjoying a whole lot of just peace and realizing, man, I, I don't know if there's anything I long for more than that. And when you relate that to a spiritual aspect, and I think about the people that I most, I'm most drawn to, that I most revere from a spiritual standpoint, they're at peace. They're at peace with themselves and they're at peace with the world. And realizing that how often I am not in that place. And I, and I desire that it feels more and more like an essence of spirituality. So it's interesting that you led off with peace. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, it's very intentional to think about what will put me most at ease.
0: You know, it's interesting when you're looking at thinking about your own patients, your clients, I mean, they are coming to you. Is there any more core reason that they are coming to you for help other than they do not have peace in X area. Is that not the catalyst? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That is the catalyst, right? Like they're looking for this, this fix, this harmony, this, this balance. And, and I think it ebbs and flows. I think we could have peace in one area. Then this other thing pops up and then we get the peace there and then it pops up in this other area. So there's like this, continuous circle or cycle of trying to obtain the peace.
0: Okay. Well, it's an interesting term because I almost asked you about this in part one of our talk together. So I'll hit it here because relationships is the next area. And as Mm -hmm. we were talking about drama Mm -hmm. and that, Easy, as, easy ability to polarize and say some people just want peace, some people want drama. I don't know if that's fair, because if we look at kind of back to that fight, flight, and fix aspect that we tend to have, that at the end of it, and I, I'm literally asking this, I don't know, do we all want peace? The person who's running from it, flight, is, is just, they want peace. And the person who's trying to, to fix and maybe even fight, they, they still do want peace in the relationship. Thoughts?
1: We can want peace and not know how to get it. It could seem like this unattainable way of being or this unattainable thing to have. It's like wanting to be a millionaire, right? (laughs) It's like many people want it and not many people can get it. So I, I think peace is sometimes like that. We can want it, but we may not have the tools to actually attain it.
0: So then I'll ask you specifically on relationships again, as we talked about in part one that I have prior to this show series with you, I had Robert Waldinger on with their Harvard study and saying, you know, the root of happiness, what makes people most happy is relationships. Of course, that would be from the healthy aspects of what we mm-hmm. receive there. So here you are with relationships. You meet with people every day. You're the expert in relationships. Uh, I've applauded, you know, enormously these days for what you have given to us, are giving to us in your messages on relationships. So when you step back and go, gosh, what does Nedra value? What's the highlights for relationships? And then what are the specific things you do to walk those out?
1: Mm. I think I value... defining what success in life and relationships and living looks like for me. I think the world is constantly feed. you know, I think everything is an advertisement. All of the books on your shelf makes me think about the books on my shelf. Like, do I have enough books on my shelf? You know, it's like (laughs) everything can be an advertisement to do more, to be more, to get this, to get that. And so I'm constantly trying to think about what do I actually want? What do I want this relationship to, to be like? What do I want this project to be like? What do I want this um, book to be like? What is desirable to me? Because it's, it's hard to, to really figure that out when we live in a world with everybody doing so many things we can get really distracted and maybe hop over to somebody else's program and, and forget our own, you know, I've, you know, not just with reading multiple books, but I feel like there's a lot of things that I tried to do intentionally that really fit me. And it really took some time to get over these rules that I thought I had. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, in actuality, there really aren't a lot of life rules. We make a lot of them up. And they, you know, our struggle is to get those rules that don't fit us to fit. It's like, I have to read one book at a time. Where's the rule? I have to make this for dinner. You can eat cereal. <laughs> you know, like we we have all of these rules. And, you know, I'm trying to figure out, like, do I like that rule? Does it apply to me? No, that's not my rule. Okay. So what thing do I need to reconfigure? I've been doing this thing with breakfast food. Like it was invented. Mm-hmm. And, and someone just say it literally like eggs are breakfast, eat it for breakfast. You can actually have pizza for breakfast. You could have, you know, steak and eggs. If you want to, you could have lasagna for breakfast. So if I'm not eating a protein shake for breakfast, I've started just eating leftovers mm-hmm. for breakfast because I just want what's easy at this point. And so, something already prepared or quick—that's my breakfast. I,
0: you're, you're, I don't want. I've got a son that does this. He's 16, and he comes down and he'll grab the leftover stir fry from last <laughs> night for breakfast. And I'm going, Man, that, that <laughs> just violates my rule. That does not go with coffee. But okay, well it does. Why
1: can't stir fry go with coffee?
0: My little rule that I got. Okay, so I want to ask on that though. So when you look relationally at cultural values or even expectations, what are some that you or or even pick a client? But you know, a common one that it's okay not to want that. It's culturally expected. It's a cultural value relationally that's okay not to want if you don't
1: authentically. Mm. I think wanting certain people to be certain things, it goes back to what we talked about with roles. Mm -hmm. Relationally, I, I see people as they are, not as I hope that they would be. Right? So if there is a person who is not always prompt, I'm like, okay, this person isn't prompt. I'm not like, they need to be more on time. It's like, No, I can text them and say, hey, the meeting starts in five minutes. I can say, hey, I'm removing you from these meetings because you don't show up on time. Hey, those are the things I can do. I can't make them more prompt because that's a self-discipline thing. I can't self-discipline people because it's self. Right. I could try with my kids, but you you'd be surprised how undisciplined they are without my self discipline, you know, being all over them. You know, it's like, come on, get up, clean your room, you know. I wonder who they'll be without me. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But I but I think so many adults, you know, we are, you know, we're we're whoever we want to be in and we manifest that in different ways. So I think in relationships, you know, breaking some of those rules is Sometimes honoring people, like, you know, sometimes I'll speak up for people and say, well, they don't like that on their salad, or they don't, you know, like, yeah, because I want them to feel honored too, right? Like, I remember this thing that you said. Like, I don't know. I think really allowing people to be as they are is one of my continuous practices. I haven't mastered it, I'm still figuring out ways to. Look at people and what they're exhibiting and say, "Okay, what is my expectation here? Because I have a rule for them. And just because they're not following my rule doesn't mean that they're a bad person. Actually, they're a great person. And that's why I'm in this relationship with them. Maybe my rule is not attainable for them. And so I need to maybe think about my rules sometimes. Like the breakfast thing, you know, what, what would life be like if we made everybody in our house eat breakfast foods for breakfast?
0: Right.
1: (laughs) That's now that's disturbing my peace. Yeah. Trying to, to get that rule committed to by other people.
0: So I'm interested then with your own Practices so, if you ask people about relational practices to keep their relationships, they may say, you know I, you know I do a date night every week with my spouse and I do this with my kids. you know we always do this and this with my friends. Do you have some of those guess i 'm going to put it in your vernacular, you know the kind of these these rules guidelines that you try to follow with yourself to have relationships where you want them, or do you more so?" modify according to the individual and what you want out of that relationship and in accordance with uh what what they want and so it's very individualized rules practices
1: yeah i think it's very individualized with my six-year-old i sing her a nursery rhyme because that's a very important practice for her now she's six um i think two is you know kind of the cutoff but we still do it right like it's important to her so she'll be like you didn't sing nursery rhyme so I'm like okay gotta sing the nursery rhyme uh, with my with my other daughter you know we have these chats she has a lot going on in her in her world and she wants to talk about her friends and who purchased the friendship bracelet from her and mm-hmm. why you know like all of these things so I think with different people it's, it's, it's different things I have a friend and Every time we talk, we don't talk often, a few times a month, but every time we talk, I make space for like three or four hours of talk time because mm-hmm. that's just that's just how long we talk. We're catching up. It's so much to say. It's you know, so I think every relationship has this 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 different thing. My I have a friend who um does my manicures and You know, a few times uh, a month before I go to the appointment, not a few times a month, but a few times a year before I go to the appointment, we'll grab breakfast so we could catch up. So, you know, it's really about building traditions with the people that that work for both parties.
0: Traditions, that's uh, that's interesting. I I think the ties... I think some of the strongest ties I have in relationships, friends and family are from, I never used that word for it. Traditions, ritual, mm-hmm. but habitual things that are very different with, with, I, I'm going to think on that one. Cause I, I do, I love tradition. I've grown to, and, uh, mm-hmm. And I know that I I enjoy my rituals. Um, well, health and wellness is the next one, which you know, diet and exercise. We already know that you violate traditional breakfast rules, so we can start <laughs> there with uh, yeah. Any uh, what are the dietary? What are the dietary? What is dietary structure is there? One that you adhere to? Oh, you said you were a vegetarian, right?
1: Mm-mm. Oh no? no, nope, no. Um, I don't eat pork and beef, but I eat okay. chicken, fish and seafood. Okay. okay. Not vegetarian. Um, dietary. Hmm. Well, my diet consists of lots of candy. Let me hold up my Milky Way here. Really? Okay. Um, I had some red vines earlier. Um I haven't outgrown that from childhood at all and I'm not trying to unlearn it. So, I I like candy. And, you know, on the <clears throat> With that in mind though, I don't I don't eat sweets. I don't eat like desserts and stuff. Mm-hmm. No desserts. I won't eat anything baked fruit or cooked fruit or any of that stuff in a thing. But I do like, you know, my sweets and and sugar and candy. I, you know, I tend to eat what's practical. Like I said, I'll have a protein shake for breakfast. I'll have like a salad or something for lunch if I don't have protein shake available, I'll eat some leftover or something. Um, for dinner, I could cycle between you know, the same 15 meals. Most weeks for lunch, when I go into my office, I order from the same place. I'm a creature of habit. Hmm. I like things to be the way that you know I like them. So if I find a restaurant that has a really good soup, it's like that's my place for soup. If this place has a good salad, that's my place for salad. If, you know, that sort of thing. But I think I eat reasonably well. Um despite what I said about the candy, I hope my dentist isn't listening. <laughs> I was going to say, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I eat reasonably well, but I think anything that we eat is you know, well, I don't believe in like good food, bad food. I don't have like this, you know, rigidness around. I won't eat this. I will eat that. I I mostly eat things that are nutritious. And as I stated, I like candy.
0: I, well, It's interesting, though, on that note and even on that attitude towards, you know, the candy of saying it's something that you like. You obviously don't see a, a big negative on that and you're just OK with it. Uh, that feels yeah. healthy as opposed to, I sometimes call them my vices and maybe mm. I shouldn't give it that negative turn. Cause I'm, I, I literally am okay with them. Um, I do like, yeah. I've got my dark chocolate almonds are always, well, this is my office. So they're there at home. They stay up on the top shelf where the kids don't get them. And I always have them and I rarely have a meal that I don't have some afterwards. And in the evening, I'm going to have some wine that that takes care of the sweet, too. So I don't have a pint of Ben Jerry's and I am okay with it. But to not call a vice still has a negative term.
1: It does. Yeah. Yeah. And and I I think with 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 candy, I I remember one time I might have been like. 1918 or something like that i stopped eating it for a year because i just wanted to practice some discipline i'm like i'm gonna stop this for a year and i was able to do it i didn't cheat i you know but um i really missed it (laughs) i really missed it and now i'm more conscious of it so you know i'm not eating an entire package of skittles you know i might just Pour a few on my desk, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I'm more conscious of how I because it's you know, it's, it's not necessarily a nutrition thing for me. I think about my teeth, yeah, right? I think about cavities and that sort of thing. Um, but I also try to, you know, brush my teeth twice a day, make sure I go to my dental appointments, but I don't see it as a bad thing. No, I like it. It's not, you know, I'm not harming anyone to get candy. Yeah. So I think it's okay. I'm not
0: <laughs> it's interesting. I mean you, you mentioned addiction in the first in our first you know talk together. And I've looked at that. I think I have uh actually my therapist says I don't have an addictive personality, but she says whatever I like, I, I'm kind of obsessive about it. But I've mm-hmm. gone through times of questioning like that a relationship with wine. And so, uh, you know, it's fast from it for 30 days and just make sure that I have control over it. And so I can do that. I've proven I can do that, but I'd rather not when it comes yeah. time, when evening comes and I'm cooking, it's just, I'd, I'd rather have music and I'd rather have wine and some candles. And I just, so yeah, but to, but to question it, have a good relationship with it. Uh, it, it is funny, your candy. It reminds me of uh, the Matrix. I'm a fan of the Matrix shows, and the first one, the Oracle in mm. the, the, the wise lady or character in that, and she likes candy. Uh, I don't hear that often, so now I'm gonna relate that to you. Um, how about on the exercise movement side?
1: Mm funny you should mention that this evening I'm going to a hot yoga class so that will be exciting I like a lot of strength training okay. I have like a elliptical type mm-hmm. machine that I do a few times a week and I do some strength training I'm trying to um, recondition my body to yoga so I've been doing that as well but I do like to move I notice a difference in my body mm-hmm. you know I, I think the way your body feels the way that you know, you're able to move without cracking mm-hmm. and, you know, the way that you're able to be flexible is just impressive to me. So I'm I'm not a lover of like, I love running. It's like, uh, you know, I try to find what I like. Right. And I, I like strength training. I like using the elliptical. I like being in a very hot room and stretching. So that makes it more of a practical practice to me.
0: Okay, so on that what's practical. Back to where I usually start with the value. When you look at your health and wellness, it did you just say it? That's kind of what you value is having that just a a a practical abilities to do what mm-hmm. you want to do. Is that what drives is that the motive behind your core value?
1: I would say so. I think if you even think about the breakfast, I'm like, I'm making a protein shake because it takes two minutes, and it's funny. Funny, my uncle the other day was like, "Are you trying to maintain your weight?" I'm like, "No, I'm trying to get out the house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm trying to get out the house. Yeah. I don't want to cook like eggs, bacon, biscuits. Like, I, I just want to get some shake it up and leave. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's a practical thing more so than you know. I want to be able to move my body in a certain way. So there are certain exercises. You have to do to be able to do that. So that's how that happens. You're
0: talking about, you know, creaking and, and whatnot. That's uh yeah, I've got little kids. So I'm I'm fifty two and I've still got, you know, little kids and I notice that, you know, they're on the floor and they jump up and they run and you don't hear anything. And yet when you receive mm-hmm. you get to a certain age, you're supposed to kinda of groan and grunt when you get up. And I don't want to do that. So I don't do that. And and I've got the uh the things I on the floor a lot with the kids and that you you when I get up I do the uh my buddy, the doc calls it the the old man stand up or something like that, or, or not being an old man that can you be cross-legged on the floor and stand up without pushing yourself up? Just do it with your leg. I want to be able to do that. So I keep doing mm-hmm. that. I don't want to creak and to groan. So uh, yeah, yeah, you, you have them little kids that they're, they're my motive uh, or my inspiration actually is mm-hmm. what I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, next one's mind. Mental health, Mm -hmm. mental state. I mean, this, again, is, you know, this is where you help people when you look at that. So for Nedra, for the the mental health that you want to be in, for the state of mind that you want to be in, what would you say, here's my value. This is where I want to be at. I value this state of mind.
1: Mm. I want to be at ease. So to take care of my mental health, I go to therapy once a week. I journal, um, as I stated, I read self-help books. I have long, thoughtful conversations with, you know, friends and with my husband. I do what I need to, like, I'm willing to try almost anything. If they say there's some mental health benefit, like an info, infrared bed or a salt bed, or, you know, like, yeah um water therapy and just all of these reiki i'm like what does it do lower stress let me try oh, it man, you know man. like yeah i'm i'm in because it is really important i think <clears throat> there's so many things in the world that that happens whether it's the news whether it's what we experience every day what our kids experience the energy we take on from other people i'm a therapist so i'm constantly like taking on other people's energy, their stories, their interactions. And so I have to be very clear about where I want to be mentally. I would say to restore myself, I require a lot of alone time. And so I'm constantly like, you know, really creating space for me to have that, for me to not... um, Always be with people, always be taking in information because it's easy for me to have a conversation with someone and ask them a bunch of questions and, you know, listen to them. And I, I love to do that. But I also know that doing that isn't always restorative for me. What's really restorative is having that time to myself.
0: Me too. And I was going to ask, and maybe you just answered it that. Where are you knowing yourself? You, you're you in therapy yourself. Where are you most at risk and where do you see the telltale signs?
1: You know, I think I am most at risk for. Not planning for my future self in terms of what I take on. So today I may look at my calendar and say, yeah, I can do that in March. Yeah, I can do that in March. And then March comes and I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's March. Yeah. <laughs> what did I do? Um, and so I'm being my, more mindful of that. I'm certainly this year thinking more about capacity. Right. So my word has been like capacity, capacity, like everyone has one. And even though my capacity is not full today, it doesn't mean that it won't be full in March or yeah. April. And so I am placing boundaries today for April
0: yeah.
1: or for June or for, you know, just really thinking about myself in the future of what future me might need has been really helpful because, you know, like, it's like, oh yeah, I could do that Saturday. And it's like, well, you need to rest Saturday for Sunday. Yeah. So doing a lot of Care and just making sure that I am well nourished. I think about how we wait until we're depleted to rest. And I'm really trying to practice rest as a preventative measure.
0: That aspect, I got to give a call out to Dr. Benjamin Hardy. That's his latest book is be your future self now. And talking about that. Yeah. About how we do things. You know, we stay up late. And and party or whatever it may be, and just go well. You know, morning self's going to have to deal with that. There's a skit by Jerry Seinfeld where it's he hilariously does that. I think it's on Dave Letterman's show. Uh, on you know, morning self's going to have to deal with that. We do that until morning self can't, and then <laughs> uh, yeah, we we wait till we're at the limit instead of proactively taking care of future self. So thank you uh, for that. Next one, Nedra is is work. Uh, career, mm-hmm. business. So you know you're a therapist. You're a practicing therapy. You're doing that. You obviously now have uh, you know best-selling books out, and the opportunities that come with that are vast, I'm sure. So when you look at your work career and the business on a daily basis, and say, okay, where are your va- I'll ask you, where are your values that you're going to keep that those boundaries on?
1: Stepping into using social media was one way to place a boundary on myself with the amount of clients that I was seeing. Mm-hmm. I wanted to help more people, and it is not sustainable to see 40, 50 clients a week, huh. right? And, at you know, at some time, I found that to be this is the only way to help more people. Well, actually, it's not. You could write a book. You could <laughs> You could talk about things on Instagram. You don't have to see 40 individuals (laughs) like that's not helping the maximum amount of people. You know, there's a more efficient way to do that. So I've been thinking a lot about efficiency as a way to operate in business. Like, how do I be present in this space without hyper involved? How do I you know, write a book without being stressed about writing the book. So being intentional about the ways in which I conduct my business, because, you know, so often, especially with writing a book, you know, you give yourself like, I have a month or, I have, you know, like all of these unreasonable deadlines and, you know, all of that stuff. So I try to pace myself in a very reasonable way that I'm not like ugh, burnt out with it. Because so, I want
0: to enjoy work. So it's almost scalability is a key issue, which is interesting. I, man, if memory serves. So a year and a half ago when you were on here, my memory is you had about 500,000 followers. Mm-hmm. If that on mm-hmm. Instagram, which is huge. I just looked mm-hmm. 1.6 million Um mm-hmm. Congratulations. It's great. Congratulations that your message is meeting that many people that that it's meeting a need, obviously, but that's a scalability.
1: Yeah. More than 40 clients. (laughs) (laughs) More than 40 (laughs) clients.
0: Yeah. Fair. Uh, Well, on that, the next lead and then is money and finances and wealth. All those things uh, provide money, which uh, I think, is generally good, but when you again when you look at that, what is the value that you're attributing to money and the efforts towards that?
1: I have been focusing on the practice of enough. Hmm. What feels like enough? Do I have enough if If I'm buying something, what value does it have in my life what What need does it fulfill? Is it fulfilling a need? Is it a want? You know just being very intentional, I wouldn't consider myself necessarily a minimalist but i'm definitely a uh, intentionalist right like i think about how i want things to look when i'm buying something what is my intention with it and also it's really important to me to have something for the future and not just have everything for today now i do believe in you know living the the, the life that you want but i also believe in saving for the life that you'll have so you know i i think in terms of money um i'm happy to say is no longer a driving force in many of the things that i choose to do um i do not a lot of stuff for free i don't want to make it seem like i'm doing everything for free Mm. but you know i am at a point where i can choose to do things for free i can give back and, you know, with my time or with money, I can't, you know, see clients for free who, you know, may not have insurance anymore, those sort of things. So I'm, I'm constantly thinking of ways to be in service financially and also take care of myself and my family. I'm going
0: to take advantage of, of you being a therapist, <clears throat> work with so many people. Money is it's one of the high points of stress you know, for mm-hmm. people how have in relation to that, and to what you've experienced with your patients and in your own life, not in relation to you making more money, but just in relation to seeing things, how have your values changed?
1: You know, in relationships, I don't think there's enough money conversations. And another thing that I see is, you know, it's again, this, is trying to change a person. Some people are not saver. I mm-hmm. happen to like it. <laughs> I like saving. I love being able to say, at the top of the year, I started here and now I did this. Mm-hmm. I've always been that way. You know, so it's it, it feels good to me. Some people don't, they want whatever they want in that moment. And that doesn't mean you're a bad partner, but it may mean that you have to be the saver.
0: <laughs> yeah, fair.
1: So so I I think sometimes with relationships, we're not honoring who people you know, who the other person is when we loan people things and we're like, oh, my gosh, they didn't pay me back. They didn't pay you back the last time. You know, perhaps it's not their value to pay people back. Do you want to continue to loan them money? So those are things that we have to think about in our relationships with people that people don't think the same as us it that connects to the rules yeah. sometimes with couples in particular there's a lot of rules around how you're supposed to do finances mm-hmm. we have to pull everything together this you know this person pays the bills where you know in therapy i say well who's good at saving hmm. who actually knows all of the logins and like some? you know, in most relationships there's a person who just knows a little bit more about finances. Mm-hmm. And it makes more sense for them to operate some of those things and to figure out whether there needs to be separate account, whether there needs to be joint accounts, maybe it needs to be a 20 you know, 20% to the, like all of these things, there really aren't any rules. The rule that works best is the rule that works for you. And so we have to figure out, what that is in our relationships with people but often we're trying to focus on one way of being Mm -hmm. and it's not a rule that that works for many couples and it's really unfortunate because i hear them having these arguments and i'm like oh this sounds like a really simple solution um Mm -hmm. but it's go ahead
0: Let me ask about that because I, I mean, I've experienced this in my own, you know, marriage. I've seen it with other people and sometimes a, if we're just talking about the delineation of of roles and duties in a relationship and a home and a family and when one person takes care of this, one person takes care of that. I mean, there can be some dysfunction in that, you know, especially you hear that when somebody, when they people divorce or there's a death and you realize that this person has no idea anything about the finances they didn't deal with that at all. You know, should they? And so you can have that debate on that you should both be able to do and participate in everything. And yet as you talk about, there is that aspect of my wife used to call it deferring to the other who may have a more of, a, I mean, I know it can sound, uh, it could sound sexist, but I just, I deal with the cars. I just always have, I, I knew more about it when we met. And so I always take care of the cars and, you know, there's things that my wife takes care of. She She really deals more with the kids schooling. Um, I couldn't even get through my own schooling, much less my kids. And, you know, so is there room for a healthy deferring? I don't know a better word than that.
1: Hmm. For sure. But it, that requires conversation that we have to talk about what we're actually good at and willing to do in okay. relationships. And sometimes we're giving people tasks that they're not even good at. And they are mad at them that they're not good at the thing. Like, why didn't you get the cars? It's like, I, I'm not actually a car person. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I was just assigned this duty. Yeah. And you know, sometimes if neither of us are good at something, that's when you bring in outside sources there, you know, that's what financial advisors yeah. and planners and, yeah. you know, car folks are for, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's for folks who need them. And, you know, sometimes we try to take that on ourselves because we think we have to, but lots of times I refer couples to a a, a person who is a professional because it seems like neither of you know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah that would be money uh with, with yeah us. talk it,
1: to a professional because you're you're yeah. you're yeah you're you're both not doing a great job but uh-huh. that's you know and if the expectation is this person should do better while i do bad that's not very fair
0: that's <laughs> a good line that's a good line uh yeah thank goodness for cpas and bookkeepers and everybody yeah. else all right this last one nedra um I'm going to give it to you different than I have uh, anyone else before because it's it's the personal category, but I've always waffled a little bit. And I think it was my last, I already mentioned him a couple of times. I think it was my talk with Robert Waldinger and he actually said this. So I'm going to, I'm going to phrase it like he did, because what I'm looking for is the things that you do for you that inspire you, that you do to give you energy. This is for Nedra. It's a, and it can kind of be in the an aspect of the non-productive things that we do. Because I know, I mean, I would, like like myself, I'm sure that you would say, gosh, your work gives you energy and it inspires you. Okay, but but more in a non-productive aspect of the things that you do, and you've mentioned some of them, but I'm gonna give it to you like that again. The things that you do just to recharge you, give energy to you, inspire to you, make you a great mom and wife and therapist and there. Tell me
1: here's the thing that that I'm just going to throw it in there. I pay particular attention to my personal style. It's a really fun thing to be to think about how I wear my hair, what earrings I put on, um what dresses I pick, what colors do I want oh that that you know like I really love that. I really love putting. Myself together. I think about it. I can sometimes fall asleep thinking about what am I going to wear tomorrow. It's it's just <laughs> such a fun thing. Um, I'll you know take my outfits and and line them up for the week. I'll look at all these Pinterest boards of who what who wore what when. You know, so that's a really fun um, thing that in- inspires me. And you know, it goes back to the rules. Like there are no rules. Like I can wear flat with stripes, or I could mm. wear like this tortoise frame with this really bright lip. So I like being really creative in that way. And I, I think the huge purpose of it is it just makes me feel good. Yeah. It just makes me re- feel really good to, you know, look a certain way and know that it was very thoughtful and, and intentional to put together. I think the way that I think about my home. Like I like things very neat and tidy. I want it to smell well. I want it to be a very moisturizing soap in the bathroom. So again, I, I spend, you know, some time and attention tending to my plants, picking which plants I want in my house, you know, arranging my books just so color coordinating them, making sure the pillows are nice and fluffy. Like I am an aesthetics person.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: (laughs) So, I like things to look a certain way. Like, you know, I could go to a hotel and or be searching for a hotel and I pick the hotel that just looks pretty. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like this looks really pretty. This is where I want to stay because it's look at their lobby. It's so nice. And they have this thing. And I'm very much into aesthetics.
0: Is it a mood that you're looking for to surround yourself with?
1: It feels very calming to have everything. Beautiful, Not even neat and tidy because you should see my desk right now. It's trash, but
0: (laughs) (laughs) it looks good behind you. The, the, yeah. Yeah.
1: Things just looking beautiful. People are often shocked because they'll come over and they're like, oh my gosh, your house is so clean. I'm like, I know I just spent like 30 minutes tidying it just so, because I, I want it to look intentional and beautiful. I mean, it's, you know, it's probably not as trash as I think in my head, but, um, yeah, beauty is really important.
0: That's interesting, Nedra. My my wife just talked about that, and and I think was coming to grips with some of her desires along here. She said, "I want flowers at the house because it gives me joy coming up the mm-hmm. drive." We live way out in the boonies, so it's not like we have a lot of you know drive up folks unless it's real intentional. She's, I want it for me. I think it was her, yeah, coming to peace with the thing. That's why I thought of mood and was asking if it's a if it's a mood. that feels calming. It's just how it feels to you and how important that is. It's probably great for all of us to hear.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I, I like to have, you know, these eucalyptus and lavender reefs in my shower. Mm-hmm. Like they just smell so good. Yeah. <laughs> it's just. Yeah. I want spa sensations all the time. Like I don't want to wait until I'm in a certain environment to receive a certain, level of joy, you know, like those those flowers that your wife mentioned. I certainly, yeah. you know, love flowers around the house because it is like delightful, even if I'm not like staring at them all day. It's like every time I walk past that table, it's like, oh, look at those.
0: Mm. Well thank you. I'm gonna ponder to that. I'm gonna talk to her about that. Uh and and help support her in that. But think about it for myself as well. Nedra, thank you. Thank you for the behind the scenes, uh the thoughtful answers. Uh, It helps. It's inspiring and gives me some ideas. I know it will give our audience lots as well. Um, Thank you for being with me again. It's been a joy and an honor.
1: You're welcome. Thank you.
0: I really encourage you to check out Nedra Glover Tawab's new book, Drama Free, A Guide to Managing Unhealthy Family Relationships. Nowhere or nowhere will you experience more happiness than again in good relationships, but good relationships don't just happen. We must happen to them. Thank you as always for choosing to tune into this self helpful podcast. I'd love to get your review on the show. Let others know what you think about it and hope mostly, especially with this show. Talk about what you heard here with people you care about and want to connect with. I hope today I've helped you help yourself so that you can help others.